and I'm going to be sharing on the subject victory declarations from the sacrifice. Turn with me to Psalm 2. Psalm 2. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Psalm 2 and verse 7 and 8. It says, are you there? Psalm 2, 7, 8, everybody there? It says, I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. And the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. I will declare. Declare what? The decree. What decree? That the Lord. The Lord's decree. I will declare the Lord's decree. There is a, there is a, a, a verse. Somewhere in Ecclesiastes. That says there is power. In the word of the king. Amen. There is power in the word of the king. And by the way. Jesus is the king of. Kings and you and I, we are kings and priests unto God. So there is power in your word as a king. God has given us dominion, and there is power in the word of God. When God decrees a thing, the Bible says, when God decrees a thing, it is settled in heaven because it is impossible for Him to lie. Once He decrees it, once He speaks it, it becomes. No word of God is void of power. No word of God is without the, 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 the ability within itself to bring itself to pass. Amen? If God says today was Friday, by the time he finished that, by the time he finished saying Friday, it would be Friday. Are you with me? Amen? So, the decrees of the Lord, so it says, I shall declare what? The decree of the Lord. But it also says, the decree the Lord had said unto me. Has he said it to you? Have you heard it? Did you receive it? Did you take it? Now it's very, very important. You see, the word of God is true to God. But the word of God becomes true to you when you have heard it. And when you take it in your mouth and you speak it. Amen. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. It says that... Um, it says, men shall not, Jesus said, men shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Amen. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The life comes from the word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The very utterances of God. In, 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 um, in fact, that scripture is quoted from Deuteronomy, I think it is chapter 8, when the children of Israel were coming through the wilderness and so on. And, and God says he brought them along the pathway that he did. And he wanted them to learn this lesson. That man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. Now Jesus actually when he was tempted by the, by the enemy. The Bible says in Luke. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 12. It talks about when Jesus had one temptation. And he turned to the devil and he says it is written. And another temptation came along. And then Jesus says it is written. But in Luke 4 verse 12 I believe it says. When the devil came with, a, with yet a third temptation, Jesus says, it is said unto me. Because you see, when you say to the devil, it is written, he can now say back and say, yeah, but it's also written. God will give his angels charge over you. 
But when you start saying it is said unto me, he don't have the relationship with God. Are you with me? So I shall declare the decree of the Lord, the, the, the decree that the Lord hath said unto me. What has he said unto me? Thou art my son. Stop right there. You are my son. That in and of itself is what gives you such authority. In declaring you as a son, you no longer have a spirit of bondage again to fear. You no longer alienated from him. You are now, you are now his offspring. You are a son of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has for us, that you and I might be called the sons of God. And if we are sons, then we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Amen? The Bible says in, in Galatians chapter 4 and I believe verse 1, that a son, even if he's a child, even, even when he's a child, when he's just a little babe, he is still Lord of all. He is still heir of all. He might not be able to walk in it, and he might be underneath tutors and governors and babysitters because he has not yet matured to the place where he can get a hold of the inheritance and walk it out. But understand that as a son, there is tremendous authority to do the father's business. To do the father's, um, to do the father's business, that is the reason why you don't just want to declare anything. You want to declare his decrees. Are you with me? Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Now that is speaking about the fact that he will be born again. Now you know it's, it speaks in Hebrews chapter 1 where it speaks about Jesus. Jesus after he became sin, went to hell, he himself had to be born again. Should be fine, I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, and then Jesus had to be born again and the father says, Again I will be to him a father and again he will be unto me a son. When he brings the first begotten into the world. And then God says, and let all the angels worship him. Declaring that Jesus was God. God the Father says Jesus is God. And, 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 says, and, and he says, and, and God said unto, let me read it right. Because it's important for you to understand that. You are not God, but you are in Christ. And you are a joint heir with Christ. You are not God and you never will be God. And you shouldn't want to be God. Amen? But do understand that. That God, that you have been brought into a fellowship with the Godhead through the sacrifice of Christ. And you, Jesus, as Jesus was raised up and has been made to sit at the Father's right hand, and he's been made heir over all. The Father placed all things under him and, and gave him authority over all things, gave him a, a most excellent name. That, he, that he, everything that he's an heir to, you have become a joint heir with him. It even says in Hebrews chapter 2 that he is not ashamed to call us brethren because he that sanctifieth and they that are sanctified are all of one. So you and I have come into a oneness with God and a oneness with Christ. So concerning Jesus, um, when, when God brought him into, when he, Jesus was born again, it says in Hebrews 1 and verse 5, For unto which of the angels did he say at any time, You are my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again when he bring it in the first begotten into the world. Now, now he said the first begotten. Does that mean there's probably a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth and a thousand and a million? Jesus is the first begotten of them that sleep. But he is not the last. You and I were raised up together with him. 
Amen. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1 and verse 3 that he has begotten us again by the resurrection from the dead to a living hope. So you were born again and raised up together with Christ and made to sit together with him and you are a son of God. And he said, let all the angels of God worship him. Well, the word of God says in, 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 um, in, in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt have no other God before me, and you shall not bow down to any other. You shall worship no other one but God. But yet God says, let all the angels worship him. Well, I mean, God is saying that Jesus is God. Are you with me? Jesus, who is a man raised, a resurrected man, is God. Hallelujah. All right, let me just continue. So let's go back there to Psalms 2. So he says, I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, You are my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me. You are my son. You are in this unique place. You are my heir. You have got certain rights and privileges. Therefore, ask of me. Remember when the, um, the, the prodigal son asked the father for his inheritance? Now we know his motives and stuff weren't right and all of that. Uh, but he did get the inheritance. He messed it up, but he did. So, because certain things belonged to him. He had a right to it. Amen? In fact, I don't know if he asked for it, if the, the prodigal son asked for his inheritance as much as he demanded it. Amen? The Bible says in um, Isaiah, where God says, ask of me. He said, no, no, no. He says, concerning the works of my hands, command ye me. And, and concerning my sons, he says, ask of me, command you me. There is an asking that is a request, but there is an asking that is a commanding. There is an asking that is, a, that, is, that is based on what your rights are. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 12 to 14, the works that I do, you shall do also whatsoever you shall ask in my name. I'll do it. I'll back you up. And, you, and by that he meant, he wasn't talking about a prayer request. He was saying whatsoever you demand as your right. And when we are talking about walking in sonship, when we are talking about righteousness, when we are talking about our authority, we are talking not only about prayerfully asking, but we are also talking about the demanding of your rights. Amen? So he said, ask of me, and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance, and even the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. And he begins to talk about inheritance. Well, you and I were born again to an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, faded not away, that is extensive. Amen? And according to Colossians 1 verse 12, the blood of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, what Jesus has done, has qualified you and I to partake of the inheritance. Are you with me? All right. Now, um... Now here is, here is, here is, here, but what we're seeing here is, we, we are talking about declaring what God has decreed. We're talking about your speaking. And this subject here today is about declaring, is about the victory, the victory declarations that you and I can and should be making from the sacrifice of Christ. Or let me even say, victory declarations that we should be speaking and declaring from Every aspect of the sacrifice of Christ, death, burial, resurrection, blood, the name of Jesus, and so on. Not only, not only to ourselves, but to God, to the devil at times, and at times to people, believers and unbelievers. Amen? Because you see, um, the decrees are already, is what God has already decreed. You're not just declaring anything. You're not declaring what God doesn't agree with. You are only declaring what he has already said. Circumstances and everything else might not say the same thing. But guess what happens when you say what God say? That pleases him. 
Amen? Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. But now what, you all, what we must also understand is that your voice has such authority. Your voice is like, you know, I mean, your voice activates. You have a voice activation thing that is happening when you speak. Amen? So that angels respond. God responds. The Holy Ghost responds. Jesus responds. The devil responds. Your words can empower, uh, or, or your words can empower, <laughs> sorry to use that phrase, in relationship to the devil, but it can empower and activate the enemy and his kingdom. The Bible says in Hebrews, it's sorry, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 10, and it was talking about the children of Israel and how they, when they came, up, came out of Egypt and how they had murmured. And, and coming out from that, and it said, those things that happened to them was an example for us that you and I might learn. Say learn. Don't you like learning? Amen. <laughs> so it says, neither murmur ye, neither should you murmur, as some of them also murmured in the wilderness, and they were destroyed by the destroyer. In other words, their murmuring is what put them in, in, the, in the pathway of the enemy for him to take advantage of them. Amen. It also says, I believe it's in Psalm 70, verse 3 or 4, it says that, um, that by the words of his lips, when I take the words that come out of God's mouth, that's his decrees, and I put it in my mouth, then I can keep me out of the pathway of the destroyer. What am I saying? What you say, there's life and death in the power of your tongue. What you say can activate devil or devil, demons, angels, God, the Holy Ghost, the kingdom of God. So we got so to choose our words and speak them on purpose. Amen? Hallelujah. I don't want to spend too much time on, on that. Otherwise, we could talk about let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth and so on and so forth. But it's not for you to know, say my words have authority. My voice has authority. You see, God wants you to take his word and give it voice. Where the angels are concerned, it says in Psalms 103 and verse 20, that the angels, they hearken to the voice of his word. Amen? But the, but, but the word in the page has no voice. Until you speak it, then it gets a voice and angels will move. The Hebrews 1 verse 14 say, They are ministering spirits sent forth to minister on behalf of them that are heirs of salvation. Your words will also activate and, 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 and hook right up with Jesus' present day high priest ministry. Jesus is no longer walking the shores of Galilee. Jesus is no longer hanging on the cross, but he is at the Father's right hand, ever living to make intercession for us. He is at the Father's right hand as the apostle and the high priest of our profession. Amen? And our profession, what we profess, Christianity in and of itself, is called the great confession. Amen? And we need what, when we say what he says, when we say what Jesus agrees with, when we confess before men what he says, he confesses before the Father. What does that mean? It means then, as the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Hebrews 3 verse 1, he has been called, anointed, and sent forth and set in place by God the Father to watch over our words when they match his words to perform it and bring fulfillment to them. The government is on his shoulder. Did you get that? So your words literally feeds right into Jesus' high priest ministry so that he can do for you as the high priest and bring certain things to pass in your life and my life. 
Now what about the kingdom of God? The Bible says in, um, first of all, it says in Psalms 103 verse 19, that the kingdom of God ruleth over all. The kingdom of God is mighty. The kingdom of God is awesome in power. Amen? And it says in, in Hebrews 1 verse 8, that that kingdom, the scepter of that kingdom, is the scepter of righteousness. Which means what? When, you, when, when the words of righteousness come out of your mouth, when words whereby you're speaking in oneness with God, with authority of God, according to your rights and privilege, privileges, from that place where there is no condemnation, from that place where you wash with the blood, when you are speaking the word of righteousness, that word of righteousness will activate and cause the kingdom of God to go into motion. Amen? And that kingdom of God that goes into motion is full of power and might and majesty and excellence and glory and is able to get the job done. So are your words important? So it is important and especially when you declare his decrees. Amen? Now you've got to remember something again. It says in Hebrews, I believe it's verse 1, verse 2 or 3, that, that um, Jesus upholds all things by the word of his what? The word of his power. Now if he upholds all things by the word of his power and you want to be upheld, you better make sure that you are on his word. If you're not on his word, are you with me? He upholds all things by the word of his power. But now listen to this. The preaching of the cross is the power of God. So then he upholds all things by the word of his power, and when you declare and you proclaim and you decree things that are coming out of the sacrifice of Christ, you are upheld. Think about that for a moment. That's wonderful. Amen? So this word, your, your words, mean a lot. Say they mean a lot. Now, the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 5, that the Holy Spirit, he performs what? Miracles. How does he do it? By the works of the law? No. By the hearing of faith. He performs miracles when he hears coming out of your mouth your confidence in the sacrifice of Christ. Faith, confidence in the sacrifice of Christ. He moves and he, and, and he, and he performs miracles. Which is to say then that the Holy Spirit literally brings fulfillment to what you speak, what you say, that are in agreement with what Jesus has done. Now understand this. The Holy Spirit was poured out in direct response to the work of the cross being finished. He was poured out after the sacrifice was completed. And it's as if he came to be the seal of it all. He came to be the enforcer. He came to be the performer to perform and bring fulfillment to what Jesus has already accomplished when you and I stand and declare and decree accordingly. Amen? The Bible says that he reveals truth. Well, there is no greater truth than, 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 what, than, than the person of Jesus Christ. He is the truth. And all that he is is because of what he has done. Because life as he knew it came to an end when he died and was crucified and when he was made sin. But when he was born again, everything he became was as a result of his very own sacrifice. So what happened then? So truth is found in Christ and truth is embodied in the very sacrifice of Christ. So the Holy Spirit that is the spirit of truth that is sent to reveal and unveil truth and to perform and to confirm the truth 
is conforming and working hand in hand with the sacrifice of Christ. To the end that it is his will to perfect everything concerning you and bring you into the place to bring you and I into place where experientially Romans 8 verse 2 becomes our testimony that the law of the spirit of that life that is in Christ makes us free from the law of sin and death and sickness and disease and poverty and lack and curse and everything else that came with the fall of man. That is what he wants. The Holy Spirit is a performer. The Holy Spirit has a ministry. Amen? And his ministry is to bring fulfillment of what God has declared and, and, and prophesied and uttered concerning you. His whole assignment, you see, God had a life for us that he had planned for us from the foundation of the world. That life is the very life of Christ. That life is what we call the workmanship of Christ, the workmanship of God. That life that God had foreordained that you and I should walk in, the Holy Spirit has come to bring fulfillment to that. And, to, and you already have that life in your spirit, but he wants you to so cooperate with him, so speak, so declare, so order your conversational right that he can take that life and form it out in you, out in your soul, out in your body. Amen. Say thank God for the Holy Ghost. All right. Now, um, so we're talking about declaring what? The decrees of the Lord. We are talking about declaring the decrees and declaring what comes out of the sacrifice. Now, Job, Job 22 verse 28 says, you shall decree a thing. And it shall, you shall decree a thing. Well, what you should be decreeing is what you should be decree, decreeing and declaring what God has decreed. What already is. What is, what is settled in heaven. You shall decree a thing and it shall be established unto you. And it will cause light to shine upon your pathways. Well, Psalms 1, 19 verse 1 of 5 says, The word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. So when you decree what the word of God says, it causes light. It causes, it begins to guide your steps. It begins to order you in the very pathways that God had ordained for you to walk in. Ephesians 2 and verse 10. Amen. Turn with me to um, Romans chapter 10. Let's just take this an another step. Let's, let's connect this up further to the sacrifice of Christ, which is to say the declarations and the decrees that we are to be making from that place. Romans chapter 10. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You see the truths that are, that are already done and finished and settled in heaven is the truth. Everything Jesus did is the truth. But according to 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 18, it is the preaching or the declaration of the cross that is the power of God. In other words then, that truth becomes truth, is truth to God, but it becomes truth to you when you begin to decree it, when you begin to declare it. And that is very, very important. Amen? All right. With that thought in mind, let's look at these verses here. Romans chapter 10, from verse 6. Romans chapter 10, verse 6. But the righteousness which is of God, now what do we mean when we say righteousness? By righteousness, we mean operating and functioning in that oneness that we have with God. And coming out of that oneness that we have with God, we speak with His authority. Amen? Coming out of that oneness, we have certain rights and privileges as the sons of God. 
Coming out of that oneness, having been washed by the blood of Jesus and having this fellowship with God and the Father, what happened? We are in this right standing whereby we, we are free from a guilt and condemnation and inferiority and shame and we are able to stand in the presence of God as if this sin has never been. Are you with me? So it says then, that righteousness, that functioning and that oneness that you have with God in Christ, which is of faith, which comes out of the confidence in the sacrifice of Christ, speaks. It says something. It has a voice. What does it say? Say not in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. It does not say, let's get Jesus, bring him down and let him, let him, let, and let him do it. Or, nor does it say, let's descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what says it? You know what it says? It says, I and Christ are one and Christ is in me. That voice of righteousness, that voice of that oneness, say that I am such, so one with him that I don't have to ask him to do the declaring, the, the decreeing and the declaring. But what it is, what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of the confidence of the sacrifice of Christ. Which we declare. In other words, it is saying, don't ask God to come do it. Don't ask God, don't, don't look for Christ, but rather, you act like him. You make that identification that the life that you now live, it's the life of Christ. And act like it is so, and you live it by the faith of the Son of God. Are you with me? Confidence in the sacrifice of Christ gives you the right to operate in oneness with him. Romans chapter 4 and verse 5 says, faith, Romans chapter 4 and verse 5 says, that faith is counted for righteousness. In other words, faith gives you the right to operate in that oneness. Abraham's faith was reckoned to him for righteousness in verse, 90, in verse 9 of Romans 4. What is it saying? It is saying that when you operate in this confidence in what Jesus has done, then you've got a right to talk from that place in God, in Christ. You got a right to talk like him. You got a right to act like him. You got a right to imitate him. You got a right to speak on his behalf. But of course you're saying what he has already said. Amen? Alright, so back to Romans chapter 10. So what says it? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And if you will confess, speak, declare with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. And believe in your heart, what? That he had raised Christ from the dead. And believe in your heart. Those things concerning the sacrifice. Death, burial, resurrection and ascension. You're going to be what? Saved. Delivered. Made whole. Amen? Why? Why? Because this is how it works. With a heart you believe unto this righteousness. And with a mouth confession is made unto the salvation and the deliverance and the wholeness. What am I saying? The point is you must declare the victories that come out of the sacrifice. Amen? You are authorized to do that. Now, in Colossians chapter 2, let's just flip over there. And in a little while, we're going to go into some exercising. Amen? So you could be, and you're going to be doing some confessions and declaring that more than you've probably ever done before in this place. So begin to clear up your, um, your vocal chambers. <laughs> All right, 
Colossians chapter 2. You see now the sacrifice of Christ. Of course you know the eight aspects and so on and so forth. But it's not just what Jesus did for us. 